Hello, and welcome to a special presentation of Harper Audio Presents, recorded at the American Booksellers Association's Winter Institute in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Winter Institute is a gathering of independent booksellers, publishers, and authors. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today is... Hello, my name is Benjamin Ludwig. I'm the author of Jeannie Moon, uh, forthcoming from Park Row Books on May 2nd, 2017. My hometown, Barrington, New Hampshire, is right next to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is where River Run Books is. That is my uh, favorite independent bookstore. A lifelong teacher of English and writing, Benjamin Ludwig lives in New Hampshire with his family. Shortly after he and his wife married, they became foster parents and adopted a teenager with autism. So tell us, please, a little bit about the story of Ginny Moon. Sure. Ginny Moon is a 14-year-old girl with autism who has recently been adopted from the foster care system. And as soon as she is adopted, she immediately begins plotting her own kidnapping. She wants to get back to her birth mother. Uh, She gives some reasons as to why she wants to return, but because of her autism, she's not very uh, good at articulating exactly what it is or why it is she wants to really go back. And you base the writing of this book on a very personal experience, correct? Uh, Most definitely. So tell us about that, please. Um, My wife and I are foster parents. And in 2009, we adopted um, a foster child who was in our care. Uh, She she was a a child with autism. She was 12 years old at the time. Um, Our daughter is not anything like Ginny. She's much easier to handle. (laughs) She didn't try to plot her own kidnapping, let me tell you. Very, very nice young lady. I mean, she's 20 years old now. Um, But uh, we became very much involved in the foster care community and we got involved with Special Olympics and I encountered an incredible diversity of um, special needs uh, children and their caregivers and uh, all of those um, distinct personalities, stories, backgrounds and voices came together and really uh, gave me the basis for Ginny Moon. Now, your life experiences is not like you decided to write a book completely out of the blue. You've, you've, had writing experience previously, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about your, oh, sure. your writing I've, background? I like to say I've been I've been uh, addicted to writing since I was in about fourth grade. Um, I've I've always been writing, writing, writing. I probably have anywhere between thirteen to fifteen novels sitting in sitting boxes at home in a drawer. Yeah, yeah oh, uh, wow. all of them are horrible, but you know you learn through those you know through the writing process of putting those books together. And uh, this is uh, this is my first good one. And were you once given the advice to do anything but teach? I was, I was. Funny story. Um, So I had a professor at the University of New Hampshire who really became my mentor, a wonderful writer named named John Yunt. And uh, John sat me down right before I graduated and he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to teach. I've been, you know, I just spent four years getting a teaching degree. I think it's time to go ahead and do it. And he said, well, if you're going to be a writer, you should not do that because you just won't have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Was it both the time and sort of the, the energy and the, the headspace or was it strictly a time thing? Because it occurs, it feels like if you're, if you're, dedicating yourself to improving others, other people's work that that may draw down the reserve that's required 
uh, for your own work. Right. I'm not sure if he meant the time or the headspace. I suspect, just looking back, and it has been, you know, a while. Um, it may have been a bit of both, but I do know that uh, the life of a public school teacher, as far as having free time to write, is not what I thought it would be. Um, you know, you take those papers home and you you grade them all night. Yeah. Um, so in in that sense, John was right, but I think it also um, that that lifestyle uh, forced me to learn how to steal time. Yeah. You know, before school, during school, sometimes lunch breaks, prep periods, that sort of thing. Um, but it it made me learn how to make my time count. I think right, and you you were so successful, and so many um, sort of the early reviews that I've read are commenting on this voice, this this voice that you've created for Ginny, and and our sort of access to that voice. What did it start that way, or is that the result of a? of numerous rewrites. I mean, did this, I, I'm curious how that voice sort of came to you. Ginny's voice um, came to me fully formed. I know that's um, mysterious at best, and I, I agree, it is mysterious. It was mysterious to me when it came, but it truly came 100% fully formed, did not change at all since day one of drafting. Um, and it, so it was the voice first, and then very quickly the voice Informed me what as as to the structure of the of the piece, um, you know I would I would write a page or two in Ginny's voice, just what she was doing at school, what she was thinking about, and then I would ask myself, you know, standing back as the writer, um, why is she counting slices of bread? Mm-hmm. You know, why the you know why is it food that she's counting? Oh, because she was food deprived. Why does she announce what she's going to do? before she does it. Oh, because she's unsure as to whether or not that's a good thing and she has to reassure yeah, herself. Yeah, what the reaction yeah. to those so, actions are going to be at any given time. Exactly. So the voice really informed the structure of the plot. There's a lot of when she chooses to give voice, when she literally chooses to speak or not, you know, there's a lot of her closing her mouth down, um, you know, for fear of the reaction that she'll get if she gives voice to the thoughts that are in her head. Right, right. I like um, the, there's a there's a way that she speaks to her parents and they speak back the phrase, you know, forever parents and forever home. Was that was that a phrase that that you used, or is or is that one that you invented for this story? I'm just curious. Yeah, that's um the the forever family, the forever mom, forever dad, forever kid. Those are those are standard um, vocabulary terms or or oh, jargon, really? I should say, in the foster care system. That Every kid wants a forever home. Yeah, that's very uh, commonplace. And was this the first child that you and your wife had welcomed into your home? Yes, she was. Um, there's a joke in the foster care system. When you're, when you're getting your license and you're taking all the courses and seminars and trainings, um, the, the social workers and therapists who teach these classes will tell you, you know, you're not going to be a foster care parent or a foster parent for very long because you will attempt to adopt your first placement. Um, and that's exactly what happens. Um, very few people get into foster care um, exclusively to foster. They usually really? go in knowing they would like to expand the size of their family. Um, and sometimes people, you know, those who do go in just to foster kids temporarily, they get so connected so quickly yeah. that you can't help but want to you yeah, know, keep these them. kids. So what is that process like? If you could just tell us a little bit about what one has to do and learn in order 
to be trusted sure. as a foster parent? Well, it's different in every state, yeah, uh, but it is fairly similar. Um, starts with a criminal background check, pretty extensive. Uh, then there are uh, many, many courses that you have to take. There are um, home inspections by um, fire and police officials to make sure that your home is, you know, suitable and safe. There are home visits by social workers and therapists who will interview the foster parent or parents. Um, to, to really just get to know them, to see what their motivations are, to see what kind of people they are, and also what kind of kids would be well-suited. Um, mm. The foster care workers very, very badly want to make a good match because there's a huge penalty for yeah. not making a good match. You don't want a kid in a house um, where he or she isn't necessarily going to jive. Yeah. Um, so all of that and then the coursework. And in New Hampshire, you have to, um, it takes about a year. Yeah. to do all the work and then you have to uh, or then when you're when you when you finally receive your first placement um you you aren't able to adopt the child if the child is eligible for adoption until uh she's been with you for six months and yeah. that that was definitely the case with us as well yeah so i want to ask you a few sort of general questions that i've taken the proust questionnaire and i've sort of adjusted it to a life as a writer so I'm adding, you know, as a writer in the same way that you, when you read a fortune cookie, sometimes you read in bed. So I would love to ask you, what do you think is your most marked characteristic as a writer? I would say uh, voice. I love a voice. That's, I mean, that's what it's about for Ginny Moon. That's what it's about for me in anything that I work on. Um, I'm not so interested in plot I'm not so interested in conflict as I am in what is the unique quality of this person's speech. Although you quite naturally plotted and gave us very interesting conflict in Ginny Moon. Ha. <laughs> uh, what's a natural gift that you would like to possess as a writer? A natural gift? I would like to, uh, it sounds cliche to say, but I would very, very badly like to uh, enable people to step into a different perspective goes right along with the voice idea. Yeah. And uh, when and where are you happiest as a writer? I'm happiest when I'm writing about a person who doesn't fit in, usually a stranger, usually some sort of outsider, um, simply because it's an unusual perspective and we're just not accustomed to, to really feeling that. And that's very consistent with you wanting to give voice. There you go. There you go. What do you consider your greatest achievement as a writer? Oh, Ginny Moon, no question. <laughs> what else is there right now? That's it. That's my, that's my debut. It's quite an achievement. Uh, what's your motto as a writer? A motto? Yeah, you're sort of the phrase that can best sum up your approach. I would say um, you have to trust the process of not knowing, which mm -hmm. was very difficult for me at first. You know, when I first started um, seriously thinking about becoming a writer, which probably happened for me in high school, um, I very badly wanted to control and be able to change all of the stories and pieces that I would write. But very quickly I learned that my control just doesn't, it doesn't work. You have to be able to put something aside, let it sit and come back to it and trust that that period of incubation of composting, if you will, is really what will produce something more fruitful. Composting, I like that. Who are your first readers? Who do you trust your pages with initially? Uh, definitely my wife. 
who has read so many drafts of Ginny Moon um, <laughs> that she, she almost couldn't help but cringe towards the end. Um, but then uh, my agent for certain, um, I have a, a, an excellent friend named Russell uh, back in New Hampshire who, who also reads all of, my, all of my material firsthand. Now, how has, how has finishing Ginny Moon and having it accepted for publication, how has that changed you? Uh, it was a huge um, relief, you know, when you, for me, it was a relief. Uh, when, when you write, um, you don't want to tell anybody because so many people write, yeah. you know, you, someone says, well, what do you want to be when you grow up when you're in high school? Oh, I want to be a writer. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you really want to be? And even then when you're in college and afterwards, if you're writing and people ask you about your writing, they want to hear results. Well, what books have you published? Can I look it up online? And if the answer is no, it's almost like what you're doing is not real. So for me, it was a tremendous validation, um, helped me think of myself as a, as a real person in a sense. When you first came in, you, you were saying, oh my gosh, you're, you've been so busy and you're now uh, embarking on the beginning of your, of your uh, publicity efforts and discovery efforts that we as your partner and your publisher are, are engaged in trying to do. Because that's the next battle, unfortunately, is sort of now that you've birthed this amazing book, now we have to make certain that we get it in front of readers. H how are you finding the feeling of actually being published? Is it what you hoped it would be? Is it what you feared it would be? I mean, what are what are some of the frustrations and the delights? There's, there's different pieces of it. Um, when I'm talking with booksellers and librarians, I'm just happy as a clam because these are book people and they want to talk about Ginny Moon and very often... Uh, in fact, all the time, the, the subject will drift into just regular book talk, and we're talking about our favorite books and favorite authors, and that's all very natural. Um, the stuff that is more challenging for me is um, figuring out travel schedules, um, figuring out how to use social media, which is not uh, something yeah, I come to pain, naturally. Right? Yeah, not at all. Okay, so let's go back to any bookstores. So tell us... I, I've, I've put this out very broadly all day today, and I've gotten some great stories. Is there, a, is there a time? Is there a store? Is there something that was of great encouragement to you via a bookstore or it drove a, a really particularly influential discovery via a bookstore? Anything, anything like that that you can relay? When I was in elementary school, I had to walk home past a bookstore and past the library, which was terrific. The library was first, the bookstore was second. And it was a huge library and it was a tiny bookstore. Um, Wallingford, Connecticut is the town I that I, I grew yeah. up in. And um, you would go to the library if you had homework to do and uh, if you wanted to hang out with friends. At least that's how I was in elementary school. But the bookstore, interesting, interestingly, was called Library Hours Bookstore. And it was more like a library than the library. The library was a social place for me. Um, and I think the librarians wanted it to be for kids. Uh, but Library Hours Bookshop in Wallingford, Connecticut, no longer there, unfortunately, but you could hear a pin drop in that place and you felt like you were supposed to be quiet when you walked in. But that quiet created a space 
in which I could walk from shelf to shelf, maybe some shelves I wouldn't normally look at in front of perhaps some friends, parents, or teachers. I could look around at all sorts of genres, all sorts of types of books. And because no one would say a thing, including the booksellers, which is not how things are done now, thank goodness. Um, but it really did carve out this bizarre little space. And I became um, a much more uh, diverse, broad reader in that bookshop. That's a great story. That's perfect. Thank you so much for telling that. Sure. So what are you working on now? Or other than, other than your travel schedule right. and, and well, all I, of the efforts that it takes? Sure. I just finished um, a new manuscript, which I handed in to my agent about three weeks ago at this point, And I'm dying to know what he thinks of it. But we've both agreed that until... I finish, you know, this this conference and a few other events. We're just going to let that let that sit. Let that sit for now. Is it driving you crazy? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Writers are See, now terribly we know you're, insecure. You're a completely honest person. Yeah, <laughs> it's driving you crazy. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be great. And I thank you so much for Ginny Moon. I thank you for speaking with us. It has really been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. All right, terrific. Great, job. that was great. Yeah, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Thanks for listening. All of the books you've heard mentioned here are available at your independent bookstore. And if you like what you've heard, please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents.